Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.59 a.m. Central Daylight Time on a Monday, the 17th of May, 2021. This is episode 419 of Bitcoin. And did something happen yesterday? I don't know, man. I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of unaware of, you know, uh, I, it seems that there may have been events yesterday that explain some sort of Bitcoin price drop. Not really quite sure what it is. I'll bet we'll find out later on during the show, though. However, first thing we're going to do is start with this tweet from Haley Lennon. Maybe she'll uh, give us some insight here. Men will literally build an empire, accept Bitcoin, stop accepting Bitcoin, pretend to be an environmental specialist, and ruin everybody's portfolio instead of just going to therapy. Hmm. Okay, that that seems to, to, to lead me to believe that yes, indeed, something probably happened yesterday because Eric Lombrazo reminds us that in the end, Bitcoin either humbles you or it makes you go totally insane. This is true, by the way. You'll either stay, so, stay humble or you will, you will wear a straight jacket and be placed in a rubber room somewhere. <clears throat> so before we get into any of that bullshit, there's other, there's other news, right? Because this this train keeps rolling, no matter who says what, who does what, who dirties their diapers, who screams at a sky. I it just the work never stops. However, while the work is going on, there are some some you know weird things that occur along the way. And this one <clears throat> from BTC Times and Thomas M says, Tether publishes breakdown of reserves backing the world's largest stable coin. Oh joy, let's see what Tether's into. No, this is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily could be classified as Tether FUD. However, it is information and they did publish where they're socking their money away. And honestly, it, while surprising, it's it's not like every hedge fund in the world doesn't do the same exact thing. So what is that thing? Well, the world's largest stable coin has had its fair share of media exposure during the latest Bitcoin bull market as critics questioned its backing, even going as far to allege that Bitcoin price manipulation is done through the use of Tether or USDT. In March, the New York Attorney General's probe of Tether ended with a settlement in which Tether admitted no wrongdoing. Later that month, the stablecoin issuer sought to refute the remaining accusations once and for all via an an assurance option from Moore Cayman, which states that Tether is indeed fully backed. Moore Cayman is part of Moore Global, a century-old accounting firm headquartered in London and one of the largest accounting networks in the world. Quote, Tether has always been fully backed. 
And the assurance opinion we made available today confirms it once again, Tether General Counsel Stuart Hogner com commented at the time. Now, Tether has published additional information on the breakdown of said reserves backing issued USDT. <clears throat> the reveal is not a reaction to remaining critical voices asking for more detail on Tether's backing, but follows a proposal made by Tether as part of its settlement agreement with the New York Attorney General's Office, which outlined the ongoing publication of Tether's reserve breakdown. Tether is <clears throat> committed to make this information available for not just the Attorney General's Office, but also to the public. The breakdown of reserves backing Tether reveals that over 75% consists of cash and cash equivalents, i.e. paper, as well as short-term deposits and commercial papers, i.e. more paper. The remaining 25% are made up of secured loans, none of which have been made to entities affiliated with Tether, corporate bonds, funds, precious metals, and other investments such as digital tokens. Commenting on why Tether chose not to hold its entire reserves in U.S. dollars, Hogner told the BTC Times, quote, Tether's strategy is to pursue superior returns and in doing so safeguard its reserves portfolio. Three quarters of the portfolio is in cash, cash equivalents, and other short-term deposits in commercial paper. So it is misleading to focus exclusively on cash within that category. Tether currently sits at a record market capitalization of $58 billion, making it the largest stable coin by far. So <clears throat> what are these, you know, what, what does this mean? Well, it means that like any other base run-in-the-mill hedge fund, they're putting their money into all these different kinds of investments to back their stable coin. Do I agree with that? I don't know. I don't know enough about that situation to actually speak on that. However, my gut reaction is that I don't know if I would want to be holding that much paper from in, in inside fiat markets that are facing the kind of money printing and MMT or money, modern monetary theory bullshit that we are seeing, you know, major world markets start to engage in. UBI is going to be fun, ain't it? Because that's probably coming. Now, <clears throat> does it mean anything for Bitcoin? I don't know, man. I, it depends on the public perception. And that's, you know, that's, that's the hardest one to get over. So how many people are watching Tether as it relates to Bitcoin <laughs> in the grander scheme of things? Hardly anybody. We watch it because we've been here for a while. But I guarantee you Joe Blow on the street doesn't know what the fuck a Tether is how it's backed, who runs it, what it's used for. They don't care. Not yet anyway. So <sighs> Caitlin Long has a little bit more of <clears throat> a little bit more commentary on the reserves that are backing the Tether stablecoin. Now, I'm becoming less and less enamored with Caitlin Long in the in the long term because she's turned out to be quite the shit coiner. However, I cannot dismiss the fact that she's been in the paper markets for decades and she probably does know a thing or two about how to look at paper markets. So let's look at what she's looking at. This is Turner Wright breaking it down from Cointelegraph. <clears throat> the founder and CEO of Avanti Financial is claiming Tether's recent disclosure about the stablecoin's reserves may have contributed to the altcoin sell-offs last week. In a series of Saturday tweets, Caitlin Long said that Tether Holdings 
<clears throat> Limited's breakdown of Tether's reserves were not invested in short-term lower-risk liquid securities, but rather credit assets of who knows what quality. <clears throat> the Avanti CEO claimed traders may have felt compelled to sell other cryptocurrencies to reduce their total risk exposure, given that the stablecoin has the potential to bring down other tokens amid a credit market correction. It means their credit exposure is quite the exposure. Quote, if Tether stays a de facto credit hedge fund <clears throat> by investing reserves this way, markets now can safely predict that Bitcoin and crypto prices will likely exhibit high correlation with credit markets, said Long. They will probably correct together. Okay, well, we'll have to see, Caitlin. Long added that authorities may still choose to crack down on stablecoins following Tether's full reserve breakdown, but said that the crypto industry could benefit from regulatory clarity. Quote, one of the best things for industry at present would be getting stablecoins to be okay with U.S. regulators, especially the Fed and the SEC. Stablecoins are very important bridges between crypto and the U.S. dollar, <clears throat> end quote. According to the Tether Holdings Limited report, 75.85% of USDT backing is formed by cash and cash equivalents, uh, with commercial paper accounting for 65.39% of that particular category. Long claimed any potential fallout in markets will have been entirely avoidable if Tether had invested more in treasury bills. Only 2.94% of its total cash, cash equivalents, other short-term deposits, and commercial paper, rather than assets with seemingly higher risk. The CEO's comments come following the price of Bitcoin dropping below $46,000 on some exchanges. The crypto asset is $45,818 at the time of publication, having fallen more than 20% in the last seven days. However, it's unclear what role Tether's disclosure may have played in the crypto markets. Binance was also in the spotlight as a Bloomberg report claimed that the U.S. Justice Department and the Internal Revenue Service were investigating the crypto exchange for alleged illicit activity. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, <clears throat> read that one. And... The the only thing bad about that particular report that she mentions there at the last, this Internal Revenue Service investigating uh, was uh, Binance, the, the headline was way worse than the actual story. In fact, if you read the actual story, you're, you know, I was kind of left wanting what the hell, you know, I don't even understand what this is. It just looks like the IRS is, is asking them some questions. Of course, the IRS is going to ask them questions. They do business on U.S. soil through Binance U.S. So therefore, they're going to have exposure all the way to the top of the chain. And the IRS <clears throat> gets to ask those questions. Why? Because our U.S. military will bomb you anywhere in the world if you do not comply with us. You know, that's honestly, that's really not a good thing. I know we, we're always so used in the United States, so used to flag waving and going rah, rah, we're number one, we're number one. And, but if you can take a breath and actually sit back and look at what that means, that's not good, dude. That's just like, that's like the bully at one point or another, you know, getting on the playground and one day a whole bunch of kids that he bullied decide to beat the living snot out of them all at once. And guess what? He doesn't survive. So we, we best better change our ways here in the United States as far as that's concerned. So do I have hopes that that will happen? <laughs> no, of course not. Moving on, Bitcoin Magazine and Namcios 
has this one. BlackRock Chief Investment Officer Rick Ryder, or Reader, thinks Bitcoin is durable. Well, of course it's durable, dude. <clears throat> Rick Reader, BlackRock's Chief Investment Officer of Global Fixed Income and head of the Global Allocation Team, recently made notably positive comments regarding Bitcoin during an appearance on CNBC Squawk Box. Quote, Bitcoin is an interesting asset. I think it's durable. I think it will be part of the investment arena for years to come, said Reader. Reader was asked his opinion on Bitcoin in light of Elon Musk's recent announcement that Tesla will be halting acceptance of the largest cryptocurrency as payment for its electric vehicles due to environmental concerns. <clears throat> yeah, go see, go, go look at a lithium strip mine and see how you think about his environmental concerns then. Quote, there are some hurdles to overcome, and I think Musk was mentioning one of them, shared Reader. He later added some challenges he currently sees regarding Bitcoin, such as volatility, regulatory dynamics, and fiat currency concerns. Finally, Reader claimed that although he thinks these challenges are real, quote, they will be overcome in time as Bitcoin gets more mature. Reader sees Bitcoin as an asset rather than a potential fix to some of the world's current monetary problems. BlackRock is an asset manager that has been in operation for over 32 years in the United States and recently hit a record $9 trillion in cash, in rather assets under management. The company does own Bitcoin, as Reader noted in the interview. So BlackRock directly buying the corn. Hell yeah, bro. Um, <clears throat> I beg to differ. I think it does fix monetary problems in the world insofar as a store of value goes. Now, does it fix the problems as far as transactions goes? Not yet, but hey, we're still growing. I mean, come on, dude, it's only 12 years old. Get, my God almighty, people, give it a break. Now, moving on with another one from Bitcoin Magazine, also from Nomsios. I'm not sure what Nomsios is, but they seem to write okay. Uh, Bitcoin miner Greenridge generation commits to being carbon neutral by 2021. All right, so get ready for some virtue signaling. I can't, I can't state it any more than that. <clears throat> According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, Greenridge Generation Holdings Bitcoin mining operations facility in upstate New York will be entirely carbon neutral by June 1st, 2021. Quote, Greenridge will purchase voluntary carbon offsets from a portfolio of United States greenhouse gas reduction products uh, or projects, according to the release. Each project has been reviewed and certified by one of three well-recognized offset project registries, ensuring that any projects funded by Greenridge reduce emissions or increase sequestration of greenhouse gases in a manner that is real, permanent and verifiable. All right, so the well, one of three well-recognized offset project registries. You know what that reminds me of? The people that gave AAA ratings on junk bonds that led to the 2008 crash. They were paid to give AAA ratings on these piles of shit. They were paid to do it. Do you think that it might, I don't know, be possible that the offset project registries operate in the same fashion that I could go up to them with some harebrained project and give them shit tons of cash. And then they just rubber stamp my thing as a triple a well-recognized offset project. Yeah, you damn right. 
And that's why all this shit is virtue signaling. And we'll, I'll, I'll go a little bit further on later on that one. But continuing here, Green Ridge Generation Holdings Incorporated is a holding company that includes Green Ridge Generation LLC, its vertically integrated Bitcoin mining and power generation facility in upstate New York. Its 106 megawatt natural gas plant allows Green Ridge to mine Bitcoin and contribute to the security of the Bitcoin network with reduced cost while meeting the power needs of homes and businesses in the Finger Lakes region. Quote, our Bitcoin mining capability is already best in class and seamlessly integrated with our electricity generation that powers thousands of homes and businesses. Jeffrey Kurt, CEO of Green Ridge Generation Incorporated, per the release said, <clears throat> Quote, by taking the bold and unique step of making our cryptocurrency mining fully carbon neutral immediately, as opposed to at some distant date in the future, Green Ridge is once again leading in the environmental efforts. Kurt added, <clears throat> with this commitment, Green Ridge is demonstrating that it is possible to secure the Bitcoin network while making a fully carbon neutral footprint. The company is also calling on others to join in cutting greenhouse gas emissions. Quote, now, in quote, there have been plenty of movement in the Bitcoin energy field lately. At the beginning of this week, Ninepoint announced it would invest its management fees in forest conservation to offset the carbon footprint of its Bitcoin exchange traded fund. And yesterday, Argo Blockchain announced that it had purchased two hydropower data centers to propel its green Bitcoin mining vision. Highlighting some common misconceptions about Bitcoin as an energy waster on Wednesday, Elon Musk tweeted that his company Tesla will halt the acceptance of Bitcoin as payment for its electric cars due to environmental concerns. Again, go see a, a cobalt strip mine and tell me what you think of Elon's environmental concerns. Go look at a nickel strip mine. Tell me what you think about his concerns. I'm, I'm, I ain't lying, man. <clears throat> Lithium, cobalt. I think graphite is involved in this thing, and I'll bet you every single one of you can figure out that that's probably strip mine too. And guess where this shit occurs? In the third world. That's right. This is not occurring in like fucking Utah. No, 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 no. This is in Congo. This is in, in the Congo in, in Africa. This is in at the foothills in, uh, of the Andean Mountains in Chile. Right, These are the poorest people on freaking earth. And, and the lithium mining in, in Chile is, oh God, it's just absolutely awful to actually watch this shit, man. So anybody who sits there and says that they're an environmentalist because Bitcoin wastes power or whatever their, their reason du jour is, is lying straight through their damn teeth. They have, don't care. Elon does not, he literally doesn't care. Every, every SpaceX that he sends up burns 400 tons of kerosene. The only good thing about SpaceX is that they do not use solid rocket boosters. Why is that important? Well, there's a whole bunch of aluminum oxide involved in a solid rocket booster and that, uh, you burn that shit in the atmosphere and it's not, it ain't great. So if anything... I am glad that it's only kerosene that's actually being used here, but still 400 tons per liftoff, that's a lot of CO2 being blasted into the atmosphere. And every time he burns one of those rockets up on the ground, I think he burns up at least one for every successful launch. And I'm talking about test flights that crash back to the ground. 
Wow, you want to talk about some pollution there. Why? Well, because it's not a clean burn. It explodes, yeah, but the kerosene involved that actually does ignite, ignites in a way that is not a superior burn. And because of that, it ends up creating other compounds, and that's they're heavier than CO2, but light enough to stay around in the atmosphere. So, yeah, take it for what it's worth. I mean, you don't have to be a tree-hugging hippie freak to be concerned about the environment. You can, I mean, I can be concerned about the environment, and when I see Congolese children, you know, sweating their ass off in a fucking cobalt mine in Congo, you know, I, it, it, it that's concerning. I mean, it should be concerning. I mean, no child should actually have to do that. I, I mean, I get the fact that I sound like a like a left hand liberal loony, but my God, people! I mean, some of this some of this mining is there. That land is once once they're done with those strip mines, it's not like they're going to go put them back together again. They are not. It's just going to be a gigantic hole in the ground, and it's going to look like shit forever and ever and ever. But be that as it may, this is all virtue signaling, okay? This this whole carbon neutral thing and these offset projects, it's all virtue signaling. Why? Well, because there's no real audit done on exactly what these guys are doing. Like when they select a certified gas offset project, like, I don't know, let's take like the uh, forestry management. Okay, well, what, I mean, how big of a forest are you managing? Exactly how many trees are you planting? How are you managing that forest? Do you have environmental biochemists coming down to actually come up with some kind of numbers as to how much you know carbon is actually being offset? Because trees are good for the environment. I, I'll give them that. But unless you show me the numbers and make that part of your PR push, you're just saying shit. Therefore, that's why I call it virtue signaling. I can just say that, I've, that I'm dumping money in this quote-unquote green project for offset doesn't mean that I'm actually offsetting anything. I, I don't believe any of these people anymore is what I'm getting at. I, 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 I told my sister the other day that if it's said on the news, I automatically believe the opposite. It's just automatic at this point. I, it, 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 it's like an allergic reaction. Somebody on C, like a CNN says anything at all, I'm automatically going liar. When these people do this shit, they're virtue signaling for their environmental causes and whatnot, and they say that they've got a green generation project that they're dumping money in for carbon credits, I automatically say liar. Now, is that true? I don't know, but they sure as shit ain't making it easier for me to verify whether or not they're actually doing what they say they're doing and to what extent what they're doing helps and is, you know, and maybe even hurtful to the environment because they're not actually saying what they do. They're just saying they're doing forestry management. Whoop-de-doo. Unless you actually go through and define that, I have no idea what that actually means. So the the whole, the reason we're getting into this is because <clears throat> this whole space is going to move that way because it's easier to virtue signal and shut shut up the critics because they're, they're not going to look. They're going to go, oh, well, they're carbon neutral. And they're just going to trust it. They're, uh, that's... That's insane. They, these people that are crying about all this shit should be the first people to start knocking on Green Ridge's door and saying, show us the project. And then go to those project managers and say, you lay it out for us. What are you doing exactly? Because honestly, 
after all this time of this carbon offset and carbon credits and all this bullshit, I haven't seen a single scrap of clear evidence of what these people do, how they're doing it, and what the offset actually is, and how that ends up getting liquefied into the market of people paying them money for their carbon credit. Not a single, I haven't seen a single thing. Nobody talks about it. They say, oh, well, they're buying carbon credits, so they're good. I don't even know what that means. I, ob- I mean, <clears throat> in the way that I'm going with modern media at this point, I just automatically assume that they're all full of shit and go on my way. And we will do that here. Home crypto mining will lead to heavy fine, reports Iran's energy ministry. This is Decrypt.co's Scott Cipollina. <clears throat> Cryptocurrency miners using household electricity in Iran will face a heavy fine, according to Mustafa Rajavi, a spokesperson for Iran's energy ministry per the Tehran Times. Rajavi added that cryptocurrency mining is one of the two biggest threats to Iran's electricity supply this year, alongside a reduction in power coming from hydropower plants due to lack of rain. Well, it is freaking Iran. What do you expect? Amidst these concerns, the Iranian government is cracking down on unauthorized mining that takes place using household electricity. The mining industry is heavily reliant on Iran's power grid, and thus it places heavy demands on the national power supply. Rajabi also added the practice may even cause blackouts across the country. In addition to the heavy fine, what, execution? <laughs> Facing miners using household electricity, those caught by the government will be also made to compensate for the damages they cause to the country's electricity supply. The move is the latest in a long line of steps taken to control the cryptocurrency mining industry in Iran. Iran, il- or <clears throat> Iran legalized industrial cryptocurrency mining in 2019 at that time. Iranian ministers said the industry could pull in over $8.5 billion a year. <clears throat> the move was considered by many to boost state income amidst tough economic sanctions applied as part of former President Trump's maximum pressure Iran doctrine. By October of last year, the industry had boomed to such a new height that even the Central Bank of Iran put forward new regulations that directed the proceeds of Iranian mined Bitcoin into government funds so Iran would be able to finance imports. But despite the country's embrace of Bitcoin mining, Iran has consistently struggled with balancing the industry's need with the country's wider electricity demands. Iran's initial crypto mining legislation prohibited miners from operating during peak electricity hours and mining using a subsidized energy has never been allowed by the government. So Iran putting, putting the hammer down on the little guy it never fails. It never fails. As long as people are in power, they will step over the people that aren't. I, you know, I, I, I don't know why I, I'm, I'm still struggling with why humanity is, is just the worst species on this planet. And I know, I know you're, I, I know some of you are yelling at me for saying that, but in, in total, we treat each other like crap. We do. We really do, man. I mean, it's like, it's just an onslaught of watching like, you know, primates just aping around, beating each other up with sticks and shit. And it's been that way since we were not even humans. So I don't get it. Is it something about a primate that just wants to step all over each other, you know, all the other primates to be on top of the hill? Is there something in the brain that absolutely requires that, that shot of dopamine? 
I, I don't know. I don't get it. But here, my, my central take here is that the country that incentivizes its citizenry to help generate and hold that nation's wealth will be the one that wins. And I, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I suspect, I suspect that it's going to be an Eastern European country or getting into the Baltics, possibly the Balkans. I don't think it's going to be Africa for some time, but if I am looking at any continent, it's actually Central and South America. Somewhere, I get the feeling that somewhere around Central and South America, like Ecuador, possibly El Salvador, or something like that, where everybody, including the people that are in power, are just tired of the bullshit and will incentivize its country's citizenry to act in concert with the government. I wish it would just become smaller to ensure all of the citizens' wealth, which, because the wealth of the nation is the wealth of the citizen, not one citizen, not a handful of citizens, not a small cabal of citizens, but the entire country where every man, woman, and child is not in misery. If you have a miserable people, then how is your country anything but miserable? And I'm talking to the United States right now. Everybody here is miserable as well. There are very few people that are, t- that are just absolutely bonkers, happy as shit. Most of the people that I know and most of the people that I see on the street just look like they're in misery. And we're better off than most. So think about what happens in shit places like Colombia. You know, I mean, honestly speaking, I really do wholeheartedly believe and I am on the lookout for the first country that says we're going to do it different. We're going to we're going to enlist our citizenry to help inspire, create and hold the nation's wealth where to look at the citizenry as the central bank of that country instead of a central bank of that country. Look at the citizenry as scumbags and somebody to be walked over and beaten down with a stick, that the citizenry themselves will be the final repository for the nation's wealth. If you were to do that, I'll bet you that country ends up being a really stable country. Not one that just goes headlong, knee deep, balls deep into industrializing and financializing every single thing that it sees, but will actually look at their citizenry and say, this is good and proper. Who will it be first? If you have any ideas of like, if you want to like, let me know what your bet is on the country, man. My DMs on Twitter are open. B-E-N-N-D-7-7. That's B-E-N-N-D-7-7. Let me know what country you think it's going to be. And uh, we'll go from there. But right now we're going to run numbers. Flammable metal, or sorry, flammable liquids are, eh, they're doing all right, I guess, mostly sideways, except for nat gas, which is up almost 3%. It actually has topped $3.04 per thousand cubic feet, if you can believe that. We've been under $2, or not under $2, we've been under 3 for a while, like a long time. West Texas Intermediate at $65.36, representing a 0.02% shift to the downside. 
Brent Norsey is mostly sideways as well, $68.72. However, all the shiny metal rocks are up. Uh, so, uh, Peter Schiff be praised. 0.62% to the upside for gold coming in at $1,849. Hey, that's a pretty good showing there, Peter. Good job, pal. 1.52% to the upside for silver at $27.78. Platinum is up almost a full percent. Copper, amazingly enough, hasn't even topped a half a percent to the upside. Uh, palladium is up 0.05%. Uh, agricultural futures uh, mostly up, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to go through them. They're just wheat's down and sugar is down. Everything else is up. The winner of the race for today in ag futures is cocoa at 1.62% to the upside. Uh, let's see here. Dow futures. Oh, well, all the futures are down in the indices. <clears throat> Dow futures down 0.37. S&P futures also down a third. NASDAQ futures down 0.4. S&P mini also down 0.4. All of the interest rate futures have increased 0.04% to the upside for the 30-year, 0.01 up for the 10-year, and the five-year is up 0.01. So there you go. Real money is at $44,729.58. 229,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us a measly 9,557 transactions on average every hour. Now, before you wrap your head around what that could possibly mean to you, let me tell you what it means to me. On Friday, or, and also, on, yeah, on Friday, I was looking to see, because we were seeing some, some you know, Heavy price movement, right? Well, I was looking at all these metrics from bidinfocharts.com in, on Friday and like late Thursday. You know what it looked like? A normal freaking day for for Bitcoin. I mean, the no, a normal amount of transactions, a normal amount of Bitcoin being sent, a normal amount of hash rate. I, the fees had, had dropped. And yet we were seeing major swings in the thousands, you know, thousands of dollars to the up and, or actually mostly to the down, but we were seeing wide swings. And you would think that there would, that would mean that there was just oodles of transactions being done. And no, that was not the case. So what's happening, it seems to be that as more and more people pull their shit off exchanges and put it into their own private keys, um, the only people that are available to give price discovery are the people that absolutely refuse to hold Bitcoin and just trade all day like the degenerate gamblers that they are. So they're the ones that are setting the price. Now, I don't know if that's actually all the way true, but it seems to me that it makes a lot of sense because I'm not trading it. Well, not since I, not since I cut my bag of doge and ran on Wednesday or, or no, Thursday morning. <laughs> Now I guess it was Wednesday morning. Whatever. I got rid of all my I got rid of all my shit. It was a thing of beauty, dude. It was it really was. Uh, although the trade came back to murder me back. I thought I had murdered that trade, but it actually murdered me back. But everything's fallen, so it really doesn't matter when I pull the trigger on all this shit. Right? The only thing that I probably could have done is if I had known that Elon was going to lose his ever-loving shit on Twitter, I probably would have sold everything into cash and then waited for the Bitcoin drop. But guess, guess who doesn't have a crystal ball? Me. That's why I don't trade. 
The only reason I was doing it this time is that I was just tired of holding Litecoin and like some Ethereum Classic and this massive bag of Doge that I'd collected up for all of $28 back in, looks like I bought it back in 2016. I don't even remember what the price was back then, but it got me a shit ton of Doge. And maybe I should have, you know, sold everything into cash, sat on it and waited for the Bitcoin price to dip to 40, where we're at at 45,290 right now. But there was no way to know that after a brief trip to the store, that everything was going to be lit on fire. And I was going to come back into the room holding a box of pizzas like the dude in the meme and wondering what the hell happened. If I had known what was going to happen, I would have sold the cash, sat on it, and then bought this dip like a massive bitch. But there was no way to know, which is why I don't trade and I don't recommend anybody else trading. So 767,500 BTC have been sent in this last 24 hour period. That's 31,983 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with the average transaction value of 3.31 BTC and the median transaction value holding at 0.021 BTC, still about $960 US. Block times are high, 12 minutes and six seconds. We have 0.51 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and only 61.8 BTC being taken in fees on a per, <clears throat> on a per day basis. Hash rate, even uh, so despite a massive increase in difficulty, hash rate has fallen to 156.1 exahashes per second. I can only presume that these are the miners that are paying exorbitant amounts of money for electricity and they've shut their miners off or have moved to mining some kind of shit chain in the interim until the price gets back above some median price that makes sense for them given their electricity cost. Um, a little bit of, just a little, to touch a little bit more on that green energy pro project, more and more Bitcoin mining is going to leave the grid and it's going to always probably be under the auspices of becoming greener. But whether or not that is the impetus for them moving or they're just lying to shut the environmentalists up so they don't have to listen to their belly aching all damn day, it doesn't matter because it's going to be better for Bitcoin. And honestly, it's probably going to be better for the environment anyway, because a lot of people are going to start, they're going to start uncapping like natural gas wells and burning flare gas. And when Texas Railroad Commission pulls the trigger and makes it illegal to flare gas in the way that we're flaring gas right now, which is pretty much not at all, because there's really no restrictions on it in Texas, I believe that that's going to change. And I don't think Greg Abbott, which is our governor, I don't think he's going to be able to do a damn thing about it. And if he did it right, if he did it right, he would stage, he would stage that shit alongside of people that are, or Bitcoin miners that are coming online and be able to take more and more of the flare gas. And instead of just saying like on this one day, everybody flares or you shut in your wells. Nobody wants to shut in their wells, but they might have to if it was a mandate that did that. Now, if Greg Abbott was really smart, he'd say phase one, in the first six weeks, we have enough Bitcoin mining rigs ready to go that we can put on well sites and we will start taking care of it like in six weeks chunks over the next five to 10 years. That way the flare gas is, a, instead of shutting in the well, the flare gas can just be diverted to electricity mining or electricity generation, which then goes to Bitcoin mining. 
then it becomes more decentralized because it's spread across the United States in these little pockets. We're not using grid energy. Honestly, I think it would be better for everybody if we did that because it will shut the environmentalists up. Although there will be some some that, that still continue to scream and moan and bitch and, and wail. But your shitcoin indicator today is Dogecoin at 49 cents, 49.3 US pennies, in fact. So somehow or another, it's not dying. Um, who knows what the hell happens? Eventually you're gonna get rugged, okay? If you're holding a bag of Doge, get rid of it because for the pretty much its entire existence, it has been sub one penny. I don't like those odds, okay? Don't like those odds one bit. <clears throat> there are 12,187 transactions waiting on 45 blocks to clear. We have dropped to $850 billion as a market cap, and now we are only capturing 7.05% of gold's market cap, whereas one Bitcoin will get you only 24.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks. There are 18,712,000 BTC in circulation at this time. Clark Moody showing a price of each one of those being 45,665. 1,334.5 BTC are in the Lightning Network, but its capacity value due to the price drop has dropped to $60.9 million, with a total number of nodes that we know about being 11,309, with 45,883 public channels that we can see. Percentage of Tor capacity has hit an all-time high. 60.7% of all the Lightning Network is now conducted over the Tor Network. There are 810 BTC stuffed in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. Uh, there are 5,578 Tor nodes at this time. Let's look at Taproot. Taproot's actually starting to look pretty good. I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 mining pools are signaling for Taproot. Uh, current total is 87.5% of all mining pools are signaling for Taproot. However, we're not going to get Taproot this difficulty period either. Maybe, maybe the next time. Uh, and this is according to Taproot.watch. Anyway, that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one off with Helen Parts from Cointelegraph. The banking system consumes two times more energy than Bitcoin does, so says the research. According to Galaxy's estimates, the annual energy usage of Bitcoin is 114 terawatt hours, while the banking industry consumes over 260 terawatt hours each year. Amid the ongoing concerns over Bitcoin's energy consumption, a new study states that the traditional banking system consumes much more energy than the Bitcoin network. Michael Novogratz's cryptocurrency firm Galaxy Digital re released a report on Friday titled On Bitcoin's Energy Consumption, a Quantitative Approach to a Subjective Question, providing open source access to its methodology, methodology as is its calculations. <clears throat> Compiled by Galaxy's mining arm, the study estimates Bitcoin's annual electricity consumption to stand at roughly around 113.89 terawatt hours, including energy for miner demand, miner power consumption, 
pool power consumption and node power consumption. This amount is at least two times lower than the total energy consumed by the banking system, as well as the gold industry on an annual basis, according to Galaxy's estimation. While Bitcoin's energy consumption is transparent and easy to track in real time using tools like Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, the valuation or evaluation of energy usage of the gold industry in the traditional finance system is not that straightforward, Galaxy Digital Mining stated. Quote, the banking industry does not directly report electricity consumption data, the report said. Yeah. Gee, I wonder why, because nobody gave a shit before now, but now that the banking system is possibly, you know, experiencing the only attack that it's ever experienced. Oh, now, now we, we talk about what, what energy consumption Bitcoin uses. Thank God these guys did this one. Anyway, um, the banking industry does not directly report electricity consumption data, adding that the retail and commercial banking system requires multiple sediment layers <clears throat> while Bitcoin offers a final settlement. Given Galaxy's estimations of power usage by banking data centers, bank branches, ATMs, and card networks data centers, the total annual energy consumption of the banking system is estimated to be 263.72 terawatt hours globally. In order to calculate the energy consumption of the gold industry, Galaxy Digital Mining implemented estimates for the industry's total greenhouse gases emissions provided in the World World's Gold Council's report titled Gold and Climate Change, Current and Future Impacts. As estimated in the study, the gold industry utilizes roughly 240.61 terawatt hours per year. These estimates may include exclude key sources of energy use and emissions that are second order effects of the gold industry, like the energy and carbon intensity of the tires used in gold mines. Galaxy Digital's analysis of Bitcoin energy consumption comes amid a major crypto market crash that follows Tesla CEO Elon Musk's decision to stop accepting BTC as payment for car purchases due to, yet again, environmental concerns. Cryptocurrency is a good idea on many levels, and we believe it has a promising future, but this cannot come at great cost to the environment, the CEO wrote on Twitter last week. Musk's move spurred wide-scale criticism from the crypto community, with some stating that SpaceX would have to switch to rockets to more sustainable energy in order not to look like a clueless big hypocrite. <laughs> clueless big hypocrite, I love it. Crypto markets shed over $500 billion after Musk took to Twitter with this announcement, with Bitcoin today slipping below 43,000 for the first time since early February. The executive apparently bought <clears throat> brought more stress to the market by hinting that Tesla has plans to dump Bitcoin for its balance sheet soon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's not the whole story about about Elon, not not by a long shot. But one of the other things that Galaxy Digital did not estimate, and I know why they didn't estimate it, because it's it's not a reach for us in the Bitcoin world, but it is a stretch and a half. For the for your for your basic normie out there, and that's to include the energy usage of the United States military, which is the de facto enforcer on making sure everybody in the world uses the dollar, or at least in some way, shape, form, or fashion, is required to use the dollar at some stage of their day or year, whether it's for import exports or you know just buying fuel, oil, and all that kind of shit. The amount of energy usage per day of the United States military 
makes the banking industry look like nothing. Literally, nothing. Now, how many regimes have we toppled in the United States? How many regimes have we toppled to make sure that countries stay fixed to using the dollar in some way, shape, form, or fashion? We have Libya who ditched the dollar. We have, uh, oh, Saddam Hussein, uh, Gaddafi in Libya, uh, he was ousted. Uh, Gaddafi, or uh, he was doing some really cool shit in North Africa. Now, he was a dick. Don't get me wrong. The whole Lockerbie Scotland uh, airline bombing, if you remember that, if you don't, go look, look up Lockerbie Scotland and Gaddafi. I mean, you know, he wasn't the best guy in the world. But once he got, he kind of got put in his place, the next thing you know, he kind of started making inroads into North Africa and doing things like irrigation projects. And he was kind of greening the desert and things were going well. And then he decided one day, you know what? I think you kind of need to get off of using a dollar. And I think he started either using gold for some things, not all things. He's, from what I understand, he still was forced to use the dollar for oil purchases. But in other things, he was kind of attracted to gold. Ousted. And then we have uh, Saddam Hussein, who basically essentially did the same thing. And also, not a great guy. He wasn't like, he wasn't hero, you know, hero type material by any long shot. But started thinking about using other forms of payment than the United States dollar. Ousted. Syria. <clears throat> uh, president, well, I can't remember his name. Bashar, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. The Syrian president started doing the same shit. What happens? The United States military starts dropping bombs. And accusing him of doing, you know, using mustard gas on his own people. And I literally have no idea why he would even do such a thing. I mean, I, I, again, this goes back to what I said earlier. If the news media says it, I automatically know that they're lying. Okay. So now everything, I, I question absolutely everything now. <clears throat> but in either event, there was a tweet that showed all these, you know, like a picture of each one of these things and the dates that, that these events occurred. And the fourth panel was, do you understand what's going on yet? Now, Galaxy Digital did a, you know, I think they probably did a pretty good job estimating the banking system, but without looking at the enforcement arm of said banking system, then we are far away from understanding just how much energy the, the banking system, quote unquote, uses, because we're not including their security force, which is the United States military. Now, be that as it may, we have a war on rugs, uh, and it's being declared against Ethereum creator over the SHIB transfer. The SHIB transfer. Is it SHIB or SHIB? I don't know. Either one of those pronunciations probably works just fine. So Jeff Benson has this one from decrypt.co. The Telegram group War on Rugs hates rug pulls. So naturally, it's trying to pull the rug out on Ethereum. The watchdog group, which says it's composed of developers and auditors, have, has created the Rug Ethereum token, or RETH. R-E-T-H, in retaliation for Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin's decision to transfer millions of Shiba Inu, or SHIB, or SHIB, or whatever, to charity while simultaneously crashing the market for the token. Quote, Vitalik rug-pulled Shiba. Innocent investors have been hurt. 
War on Rugs told Decrypt via direct message the day before launching the token, he should never, ever, ever be shown as a hero for this. Binance CEO Zhengpeng Zhao, who agreed to list the token on Binance's innovation zone, has called SHIB super high risk. And War on Rugs, which looked at the smart contract, noted earlier this year that Buterin had a very large stake in the token, which meant it could be vulnerable. A rug pull is a type of scam in which developers abruptly leave a project and take investors' money with them. They're common in the Wild West of decentralized finance, i.e. DeFi, where people can go to get crypto loans, earn interest, and trade assets without the help of a financial intermediary, or the insurance such intermediaries provide. Buterin, however, didn't develop the token. He received it. The creators of the meme token sent trillions of the subpenny asset to Buterin, who was revered among Ethereum acolytes for his intellectual prowess and his seeming lack of concern for the things money can buy. No Lambos here. Sending the funds to Buterin's wallet lent the project the veneer of legitimacy while also theoretically decreasing the supply because Buterin wouldn't touch those funds. Theoretically. On Wednesday, Buterin did just that, removing the tokens from a liquidity pool in Uniswap and contributing to a crash in token price. As recently as Tuesday, the price of SHIB was 0.00003394. By Wednesday, it had fallen by more than half. I won't read the number, too many zeros. Quote, if you consider a rug pool to be quickly, without notice, removing a damaging amount of liquidity from a pool, then I guess that's what Vitalik did, DeFi researcher Chris Bleck told Decrypt. Quote, the fact that he never asked for the liquidity in the first place definitely changes things, though. Bleck continued, the SHIB token project was originally deployed with a specific set of risks and a whole lot of inherent problems. Vitalik didn't change any of that. He simply exposed the token for what it was, end quote. Buterin, meanwhile, was feted in some camps as a hero for shucking off a project he didn't want to be associated with and giving the loot to charity. SHIB is run on the Ethereum blockchain, where its burgeoning popularity contributed to high transaction fees and network congestion, already a problem for the network. Buterin has yet to speak publicly about his motivations. To, uh, to war on rugs, however, Buterin is a villain. The Reth token, available on PancakeSwap, is its ironic revenge. Each transaction using the token incurs a 4% charge, half of which goes to hodlers, and the other half of which goes to borrowing ETH. That ETH is then dumped on DeFi trading crypto lending marketplace Venus protocol in favor of Binance coin, which is why the CEO of Binance probably listed Reth. You see, this man, the vultures cannibalizing each other here is just, it's almost, it's almost poetic, dude. <clears throat> Venus, unlike many other DeFi lending platforms, is built atop Binance Smart Chain and not Ethereum. This, says War on Rugs in a Medium post, will ultimately create constant sell pressure on ETH pairs on BSC, meaning the price of ETH will become depressed. In a twist, it also sent Vitalik 50% of the, get this, 100 quadrillion supply, though it has banned his wallet from actually using it. <laughs> oh my God, this is just sick. Reth has more than 2,100 hodlers since going live this morning, according to blockchain tracker BSC Scan. The move adds additional intrigue to a brewing cold war between Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain, a rival network for DeFi applications established by cryptocurrency exchange Binance. 
Some have argued that Binance benefits from congestion on Ethereum, providing its motivation for listing bulky speculative tokens such as SHIB on its own exchange. And now it will literally be getting the benefits of Reth sales, whether it has an appetite for this rug pull or not. So the social attack vector here is something that you cannot sneeze at because it's just as, vi- it's, well, okay, it's not just as viable against Bitcoin, but it is, it's there. And honestly, in my opinion, it's the only attack vector against Bitcoin that can actually be executed with any amount of, you know, efficacy, right? <clears throat> you can't attack the nodes, you can't attack the mining. All you can do is socially program people to, I don't know, run out and say, we're going to boil the oceans. In this particular case, we've got a situation where the guys at War on Rugs are so pissed off at Vitalik Buterin that they build a token that goes on to, <laughs> that goes on to Venus that they use to get ETH for, and then they sell that ETH. And the whole thing is actually you know, somehow or another more, you know, more associated with the Binance chain or BNB, I guess, than it is with Ethereum. So the game theory here plays out. This is why I Bitcoin, right? This is why you should Bitcoin too, because the least vulnerable of all this, all this stuff in the space is Bitcoin. Everything else has a very high degree of social attack susceptibility. Bitcoin has it itself, as we saw this weekend and last week with all the energy FUD. It's the only attack vector that people that don't like Bitcoin have. This, however, is not the case with the shit going on with Reth, right? They're engineering a situation that will just deplete Ethereum. Is it going to work? I don't know. 2,100 holders? Who knows? I mean, but if, if you want to get under Vitalik skin, I suppose you, you know, you could like kill two birds with one stone. You could actually have a reason to learn how DeFi works, which I'm not really all that interested in because I don't think it's a product worth anything yet. And screw Vitalik Buterin at the same time. I, I, I don't know. You, you keep your own counsel on that. Now we finally come to, to the, to the shit storm. This is BTC Times Thomas M bursting the Elon bubble. Why everybody's mad at Musk. There's blood in the streets and over the weekend a hero was slain. Well, I call it more like key hauling and being torn to shreds by a bunch of commoners, but you know, that's just me. This is Thomas M. The <clears throat> the uh, Bitcoin market is on a crazy roller coaster ride since chief executive Elon Musk announced in a tweet on Thursday that the firm would halt Bitcoin payments due to environmental concerns. Since then, a lot has happened, like a lot, such as a 25% drop from $59,000 where Bitcoin was trading just a week ago, seemingly about to reclaim its spot in the 60s after somewhat consolidating around 49 grand on Saturday. Another cryptic tweet led people to believe Tesla may sell or might already have sold its $1.3 billion worth of Bitcoin, resulting in a crash right back down to 42,000. Before yet another tweet pushed it back up over $44,000. Sound confusing? Sure is. Although only a few days old, the news that Tesla would stop accepting Bitcoin has grown 
old pretty quickly and appears to be less of a problem to many people than Musk's statements surrounding Bitcoin and self-proclaimed meme coin Doge. Right, keep that, that in mind, people. This isn't as much about them not accepting Bitcoin for payment because energy FUD. This is about his incessant bullshit shilling about Doge and how we know that is going to get possibly even hundreds of thousands of people hurt. This isn't about them not taking Bitcoin. That's, that's, another, that's a completely different problem all on its own. No, no, no. This is about his incessant shilling about Doge. That's the problem. That's why people are mad. This has almost nothing to do anymore with him not taking payment in Bitcoin for Tesla. Although people are selling the shit out of their Teslas, though, we'll get into that. Assuming that Musk <clears throat> uh, is not currently pulling off the troll of the year, his statements suggest that Tesla did limited due diligence prior to becoming one of the largest publicly traded Bitcoin hodlers. Bitcoin energy's consumption is not news. And between February, when Tesla bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, and today, very little has changed. The same applies to Bitcoin's current state of hash rate distribution, which Musk criticized over the weekend. The sudden change of tone has had many wondering if not environmental concerns, but external pressure is to blame for Musk's recent comments. While Musk's initial comment on Bitcoin energy consumption picked up an already hot topic and fed a narrative that has been used and reused by various media outlets over the past year, he didn't stop there. Aside from advocating for bigger blocks for Dogecoin, God, I can't believe we're here again. Musk also claimed that Bitcoin was highly centralized. Oh my God, I can't believe we're here again. And largely controlled by a handful of mining companies, a perspective that was disproven in the block size wars of 2016 and 17, in which Bitcoin node operators showed that miners do not wield the power to change consensus. When approached about his controversial comments, Musk showed himself not to be the best sport. In response to a thread published by podcaster Peter McCormick, which listed concerns over Musk's Dogecoin advocacy and spread of misinformation, the Tesla chief wrote, quote, obnoxious threads like this make me want to go all in on Doge, end quote. Yeah, do it, bro. In an earlier tweet, Musk fired back against Litecoin developer Loshan, who expressed concerns about the idea that speeding up Doge's block time by 10x increasing its block size by 10x and lowering its fees by 100. Quote, for those bad at math, 100x transaction fee uh, volume with 100x lower fees means total fees earned stay same. Low fees and high volume are needed to become currency of earth, Musk tweeted, causing further backlash from Twitter users pointing out the inevitable centralization that would follow such a move. And while none of the aforementioned points appear particularly admirable, this one might be the one that has riled up Bitcoiners the most. There's no proof that Doge's meteoric rise from 0.002 pennies to 50 cents since last year could be completely attributed to Musk. But you will find new people disagreeing with you if you hint at that being the case. What started as a joke endorsement in 2019 when Musk temporarily referred to himself as CEO of Doge has become a $60 billion movement likely largely motivated by his advocacy. Doge's mind-boggling surge paired with endorsements from one of the richest people in the world has attracted an army of retail investors 
who have bought into the asset and Bitcoiners are taking issue with that. Doge was created in 2013 as a joke to make fun of the increasing cryptocurrency speculation at the time, which pales in comparison to today's cryptocurrency markets, unlike many other coins which promise specific use cases or aspire to topple Bitcoin altogether, Doge never had any such ambitions. Elon Musk claiming he has been working with Doge devs to improve system transaction efficiency when Doge has seen little to no development since 2017, therefore riled up many Twitter users. Many see Doge's growth as unsustainable given that the, it largely hinges on Musk's support and doesn't build on any meaningful fundamentals. Any attempt to, quote, decentralize the network is unlikely to see success either. If Musk ends up pursuing a hard fork with the variables he prefers, the resulting coin will depend on him as a figurehead. But even his own coin doesn't appear out of the question for Musk. That such a coin would de de definitely not be decentralized should be clear. As always, up, down, or sideways. From a price perspective, the next few days are incredibly unpredictable, although careful optimism has pushed Bitcoin above 45000 following Musk's reassurance that Tesla hasn't sold its Bitcoin holdings. Notably, the second Musk-motivated crash only dragged Bitcoin down by around $6,000 as opposed to the previous $10,000 red candle following his Thursday announcement. A possible reason might be that Musk's tweet hinting at a potential sale of Tesla's Bitcoin was more cryptic, and many might have believed it to be the result of Musk feeling offended by the backlash he was receiving. It might also simply be an indicator that Bitcoin hodlers have begun anticipating negative statements from the Tesla chief, yet Musk may still have a major impact on the market. As always, what the Tesla CEO does remains unpredictable. In the long term, however, it's helpful to take a step back and try to assess the situation from an objective perspective. The chaos of the last few days is entirely centered around the market. The Bitcoin protocol and networks are unaffected. The hash rate is near all-time highs. The public node count is unchanged. The majority of the network has signaled support for taproot. Yet this weekend likely wasn't nearly as relaxing as some may have wished. Well, that, duh, but still. As I tweeted yesterday, it was well worth the price of admission to see this motherfucker get keel-hauled and ripped to shreds by commoners. It's just not going to be a conducive environment for billionaires and egoists. It, had, it never has been. I, you ask Roger Ver how he met with scorn and ridicule when we were going through the 2016-2017 block size wars. Ask... <clears throat> Calvin Ayer, ask Craig Wright, even though that those guys came on, they were way late to the scene. But Trace Mayer, dude, Trace Mayer got ejected by the system. Andreas Antonopoulos is, has almost, I, I never see a tweet from Andreas, even though he's blocked me because he's blocked almost everybody. I don't see people screenshotting his stuff. I used to see it all over the place. I don't, know, I don't see it anymore. And that's because he started hyping fucking Ethereum. You know, it's just, if you're going to hype, if you're going to hype a coin, just hype Bitcoin, just go all in on Bitcoin. And this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of I'm optimistic about the whole taproot thing. Now, I, I still agree with Matt O'Dell that there's probably going to be some chicanery, but I'll bet you there's going to be second thoughts about engaging in that chicanery because of this weekend, because we saw a billionaire get ripped to shreds. Now, is it because that like, you know, Binance pool or, or CZ doesn't want to get ripped to shreds? No, 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 no. 
it's that this it may well be that the situation that developed over this last weekend made people who might have wanted to to screw with Bitcoin like they did uh, during the SegWit signaling um, to make some money because they wanted to crash the price, buy cheap corn, and then let it go back up. They may be saying to themselves, unified front, bro. For the you know, and, and if we were to get that, that would be that would be huge. Do I expect it? No, but I I do think there's about at least I'm I'm saying there's a 50-50 chance that the miners just they end up pooling together and saying, screw this guy, let's activate Taproot to show everybody in the world, do not fuck with this. If you want to come in, if you've just heard about Bitcoin and you're here to fix it. You're going, you're, you're already dousing yourself with gasoline and we're standing at the ready with lit matches. I guarantee you, you're not going to do well in this space if you come in with that attitude. There, every question has been answered. Every criticism has been debunked. We need a good money, people. Every single form of money on the planet right now is broken. That includes gold because you don't have enough gold. All the, all the gold is held in like lock boxes by governments. There's not enough gold at all to service humanity. That money is also broken. Everything is broken. The only thing that we can do is to defend Bitcoin. Defending Dogecoin is not the way to do this. Defending Ethereum is not the way to do this. Aping into DeFi products is, Good way to get your ass kicked. Don't do it. Have a unified front. Tell people that you know to have a unified front and come together behind Bitcoin. It's not all that hard. You know, and almost all the mining pools are signaling for Taproot right now. And I, I, that's why I have a 50, 50, I, I think of it as a 50-50 chance that we might see the miners not screw with Bitcoin this time for no other reason than to piss off Elon. And speak, getting back to the whole Elon thing, <clears throat> um, I think we saw a genuine meltdown of somebody who is mentally unstable. I, there are a lot of people that are saying that, oh man, he's just playing 10D chess. God, how many times have I heard that? He's, uh, he's just like trying to get the price down so that he can buy more corn. I, it may have started that way, but he definitely lost his shit. And here's, here's why I know. It was Michael Saylor that had talked to Elon months ago about getting into Bitcoin. Michael Saylor's, you know, a, a tech billionaire. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is a tech billionaire. They seem to be on friendly terms. And then Elon stabbed him right in the back on Twitter. And I'm not going to read the actual tweet because I don't have it in front of me. But uh, <clears throat> uh, Michael Saylor had basically just said something about the situation at hand in a tweet. Elon Musk wrote back Sailor Moon. If you don't know what Sailor Moon is, it's an anime, it's fairly famous. It's this, you know, chick in a schoolgirl outfit all the time with pigtails. And it's just your general, your general Japanese anime kind of thing. <clears throat> well, somebody, uh, somebody said something after, after Elon's Sailor Moon comment and then say, uh, uh, Elon Musk came back and said the following, he should wear that as an outfit to Halloween and have the Bitcoin symbols tattooed 
to his upper thigh. And I don't know if like, this is probably more from, <laughs> I know this probably more from Chris DeRose than anything else, but honestly, that's how, like when men tattoo, uh, get tattooed on their upper thigh, it means something that uh, you probably don't want to know about. All right. Let's just say that it's kind of, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deride it at all because if that's your lifestyle, Hey man, you go for it. But I would have nothing to do with that lifestyle. It's just whatever. Anyway, as far as Elon meant it, it was a, it was a derision. And if it was the case that Michael Saylor and Elon Musk had been on friendly terms after that shit, if I was Michael Saylor, I would spend zero seconds of my life going forward on Elon Musk because that was a fucking insult. And that's why I know that this was a complete and total mental meltdown and not 10D chess. Even if it started that way, it did not end up that way. And I can tell because of that one tweet. He went below the belt on that shit and started fighting dirty. And I'm not protecting Michael Saylor because I, I'm wary of Michael Saylor as well. You know, what, what if he gets all pissed off? I don't know, screw it. Bitcoin doesn't need either one of them. But you get what I'm saying. That's why I know that this was a complete and total failure mentally of Elon Musk to be able to do battle on this particular, you know, theater of operations. He's not cut out for this. And when you're not cut out for this, you get lit on fire pretty quick. So that's all I'm going to say about the Mustang. We're at, God, we're over, like well over an hour. So I'm just going to give you the spiel. Um, I, I could use your help getting the word out there about the podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, share it. You know, I, I, I put my tippin.me uh, <clears throat> link back into my bio on Twitter. That's at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. If you want to tip me directly with Bitcoin through the Tipping Me page, I've got it back up and running again. So if you want to do it that way, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, give me a five-star review on Apple iTunes and all that stuff. And well, shit, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.